Uh, go to Matthew chapter 3. I, I do want to say this um, uh, for the nursery workers, and we've got some real good ones. Uh, we got some real good nursery workers that love these kids and care about them and pray for them. Um, and I appreciate Miss uh, Anita taking that ministry on, scheduling all that. Uh, by God's grace, our next building will have nursery a little further away from the sanctuary. All right, so it'll be a little easier for the nursery workers, but for now, it is what it is. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. Matthew 3. Matthew 3, and uh, we're continuing our series on spiritual warfare. And I I would say it like this. um, It's a lot easier to distinguish the right and wrong spirit externally than it is internally it's a lot easier to go well steon's got a bad spirit today (laughs) right than it is to ever look in the mirror and go what am i carrying around with me um I, i i'll also say this you're probably not going to have i'll i'll use this illustration about a year or so ago our hvac system wasn't working and the guy came out, stop it right now, James. James knows the story. The guy came out, and I'm thinking it's going to be thousands of dollars. It's going to be this big deal, you know. And uh, the guy came upstairs, and he says, ma'am, can I show you something? And she goes, yeah. He goes, this is a filter. And this is what your filter looks like, and this is what a filter should look like. And the filter was clogged, so it was draining the entire system. When the filter isn't working right, and when you're not right spiritually on the inside, you can't tell what's going on out here. And, and so the, the exercise that we're trying to get through tonight and maybe over another week or so is to discern internally some things and, and really looking at watching out for a pharisaical spirit within yourself. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 3 and look, if you would, at verse number 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. That's Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verse 4. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. That's probably why you never read about him being married. Can you imagine what Mrs. John the Baptist would have been like. Who wants to marry that guy, you know? He's walking around with camel's hair. You know, he eats locusts. Imagine that. What's for, honey, I want some locusts and wild honey for dinner. Uh, we've done that five days in a week. I want to do something. Different. I want locusts. And, thank God that the guy was single if he was, right? So look here at verse number five, though. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, I am so glad you got the flyer we left on your door, and we're so glad you decided to join us at New Heights today. I hope you enjoyed your welcome packet. Here's a cup for you. If you'd sign the visitor's card and put in the offering plate when it comes by. He didn't say that. Uh, look what he says here. Oh, I mean, come on, man. If that was a pre- if you walked into a church and, and all of a sudden a preacher looks and goes, you generation of vipers. This is John the Baptist. Who's he talking to? The Pharisees. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse number 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, Jesus Christ, that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And notice what it says in verse number 12 at the end of the verse, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That fire is not a good thing. That fire is hell. And he's warning them and saying, look, I'm baptizing you with water, but the one that comes after me is mightier than me, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And if you reject the Holy Spirit of God and you reject the right spirit, you'll have the wrong spirit and it'll take you to the wrong place. Now, now I want you to see something. Look down, if you would, at verse number um, 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened. Wouldn't you say that's a big deal if the heavens opened up? Uh, unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove and lighting upon him, and, the, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Brother Sean, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing on the word. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Notice in the passage there's this contrast between the Spirit of God and, and where the Spirit of God will do for someone, where, where the Spirit of God will take someone, uh, versus what the Pharisaical Spirit would lead uh, them to down, not only to do, but also where they would end up. Now, obviously, if you're saved, you're not going to go to hell. Thank God for that. Thank God there's nothing that you can do to lose your salvation, because let's be honest, if you could, you would have lost it by now. If you're here tonight and you don't know what it means to be saved, can I tell you what, and I mean this as gracious as I can say it, it's not so much, I've said this before and I'll say it again, it's not like we're on the inside going, nah, 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 nah. We're, we're going, hey, we want you to come join us. This is the good life. This is the best life. Well, I've got problems. When you get saved, your problems don't all go away. But this is the best life. This is the life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that the angel of the Lord came to Peter and said, I want you to go speak the words of this life. You know what this life is? The best life. It's not just being saved. It's not just having eternal life. It's having abundant life. And you've got that because the Spirit of God is inside of you. And the Bible says the moment you get saved, he fills you. But from that moment, you are the one that decides how much of the Spirit of God fills your life versus how much you fill your life. Or another spirit comes in and fills your life as well. You don't lose your salvation because you, you, you have another spirit that's, that's uh, 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 afflicting you or another spirit that's uh, 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 trying to woo you or draw you away from God. You don't lose your salvation. You don't lose your position in Christ. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can be affected by other spirits and the one of the worst spirits you can be affected by is the pharisaical spirit because it looks good on the outside and you can come to church and everything looks like it's okay but on the inside it's not that way and the bible warns us and i believe there's a reason now think about this guys if you are there and you're watching the son of god getting baptized 
and you're watching the, 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 the one that was foretold of in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Moses and Elijah are going to show up again, Revelation chapter 11, and, and the Lord says in Matthew 11 that if they had received the Lord and received his spirit, that uh, 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 John the Baptist would have been their Elijah, but they rejected that. We understand that. But the point is this. Imagine you're there to see the modern-day Elijah uh, this is someone that is filled with the Spirit of God. And then he's talking about someone that's going to show up whose shoes he's not worthy to, to bear. And he says this, that one, when he shows up, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then that one shows up. You know what they do? You know what those Pharisees do? They watch it. Listen to me carefully. They're there, but they miss the whole thing. You know, I, I'm convinced that with a lot of Christians today, they show up, but man, they miss so much of what the Lord's trying to show them. And I think a lot of that has to do with having the wrong spirit. Why do you suppose John the Baptist, I mean, watching these first-time visitors show up at church, and the first thing out of his mouth is, oh, generation of vipers. I mean, if I'm a visitor, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm never going back to that church. And maybe that was what John the Baptist was trying to drive home. Hey, if you guys aren't going to come with the right spirit, you better go. Because until you get right with God, you're going to afflict and, and infect those around you. That's why John the Baptist was the way he was. It wasn't because he was trying to be mean. He's trying to draw a line in the sand going, hey, there's a right way to approach God and there's a wrong way. The right ways was the spirit of humility saying, Lord, I don't know it all. I don't understand everything. I'm not going to judge everybody else. Lord, would you help me first so I can help others after that? Versus, here I am. Hey, you guys measure up to my standard yet? You know what you're going to find? Let me show you this. Uh, look at uh, John chapter 8. Let me say this. A Pharisee spirit is a critical spirit. Do you have to criticize everything? Do you have to point out where all the faults are? Do you do that with your spouse? Do you do that with your children? Do you do that with your parents? Do you do that with the brethren? Uh, I can tell you this right now. There's many a, a, a church in America. I'd like to think this is not one of them, but I, I think it might be foolish to, to imagine that it's never happened here before. But there's many a church where on the way home, they have roast preacher for, for lunch on Sunday. You, you say, well, well, I didn't like this, and I would have said it differently, and I would have said and, and you know what the Lord says? Maybe someday you'll be in that position Maybe someday you'll be in a position where all the eyes are looking at you, criticizing what you're saying. Can I say it this way? You don't want to be in that position if God's not with you. You know what a, you know what a Pharisee spirit is? It's a critical spirit. Notice John chapter 8. Uh, look what happens. This is midweek Bible what? So I'm going to preach to you, but you're also going to study the Word of God as well. John chapter 8, look at verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. All right, so let's imagine I'm having a, 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 we're having Bible study, right? And we're, we're having a good time in the Word of God, and, and you're getting stuff, and you're learning stuff, and, and the Spirit of God is moving. And, and you're, you, know, you, can, you can feel conviction about certain things, and the Lord's encouraging you about certain things, and maybe rebuking you. Look, there's never been a better preacher than Jesus Christ on this earth. And imagine the word of God preaching from the word of God, the word of God to you, to hear the word and receive the word of God from the word of God. And man, talk about the Lord working in your life. And everyone's getting something. And all of a sudden, these guys bum rush the church service and they're like, hey, look what it says. We caught this woman in adultery. P.S. in the very act. Now, let me just say this. Um, to catch someone in the very act means you're looking for it. Can, can I say this? You are going to find in people what you want to find in people. 
listen carefully, and you're going to find in God what you want to find in the Lord. What I mean is this, if you're looking for, now you may go, I can't find fault in God. Yeah, people do it all the time. Do you know what the, at the great white throne judgment, Romans chapter two speaks about this. Man is going to accuse God and try to make a sinner out of God. And the Bible talks about the Lord being justified by his word in the, in the, at, at, the, at the word of other sinners. The Lord's gonna say, hey, the scriptures say, the word of God says, the word of God says, the book says. He's gonna be quoting scripture because they're gonna be saying, if you were a righteous God, you would fill in the blank. Now look, you're not, if you're saved, you go, well, I won't do that. You ever find yourself going, well, why'd you do that, God? Why'd you let that happen? Why did it work out this way? How come you didn't do it that way? You know what that is? That's being critical of the Lord. And they go, well, I'm just, I'm just you know, trying to hash out my, well, yeah, that's fine. You can do that. Brother, get mentioned that. But I'm going to say this right now. When you find yourself going, how come you did this? Can I just tell you, take it down a notch. Because you're not him. How many of you are parents today? Raise your hand if you would. How many of you thought that when you left your house, your parents were idiots, and within like a year, you're like, they are the smartest people I've ever met in my life. All right. Imagine getting to heaven, and you had all the ideas about how you would do it if you were God, and then you get there. You know what the Pharisees are really good at? They're really good at pointing out where someone had a fall. Now, Now, think about this. Jesus Christ, is he without sin? Tempting all points like as we are, yet without what? Hebrews chapter 4. So he's our great high priest that, 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 that never gave, he never relented into sin. He always said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He rejected it, he, he reproved it, he walked away from it, he fled from it, but he did not give into it, right? All right. So there's no way to find fault in him, theoretically. They did. Look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Can I say this? If you're looking to find problems in people, you will find them. Someone sings a song special. I thought it was a little pitchy. Okay, you get up and sing. Well, if I was teaching that class, you're not teaching that class. Don't criticize that person. Pray for them. Well, you know, why did we paint it, you know, that color? Well, because that's the color that it was painted. Yeah, Brother, brother Jane's doing some work downstairs. If some, some unfortunate soul is foolish enough to walk down and go, I would have painted it this way. I would have, you know what you can do? Next time we have a work day, here's the paintbrush. Here's the hammer. Knock yourself out. You know what's really easy to do? It's really easy to criticize. It's in our nature. You don't realize it. Watch. You're driving down the road. And you see something wrong with the traffic light. These idiots, they can't even figure it out the city lights. These, who's these stupid people in the government? You ever stop and say, Lord, thank you, we have traffic lights? I've lived in places that don't. Do, do, you, do you ever find yourself going, just complain about the boss and complain about this and complain about church and complain about, you know what? Uh, Brother Gate Pattis, he preached an hour and 45 minutes. Doesn't he know we have kids? You know what he thought? He thought, I've got three days to give him what I've got. And he did the best that he could. Did you pray for him or just, crit- or just complain about how long the message was? Now, no one came up to me and said it was too long. I'm just telling you, I know human nature. No one said anything bad. Everyone was thankful and everyone was grateful as far as I know. But there's human nature within us. I'm the preacher sitting there going, man, it's been a long night. And the Lord goes, you better shut your mouth. Number one, this church has been doing it with you for a long time. And number two, you're learning something, so just be quiet and listen. 
You know what's really good for us? A really good thing to do is say, okay, Lord, why am I criticizing this? Pump the brakes. You ever find it? Now, look, uh, you know, there's, there's probably, I'm sure, some, some folks in here that are in that dating stage of life. And man, when you're dating, she can do no wrong. And he's just so sweet. And he pours my cup of coffee before he pours his. You know? And then you're married. And you're like, uh, hey, babe, can I? Hey! What? Well, I just want a cup of coffee. Ah, get it yourself, you know? You, you, no, no, I, I'm sure you would never admit to that or anything like that. But you understand over time, right? You know what happens? Initially, there's a honeymoon period. Eventually, you realize that person's human. If you're not careful, you, know, you start doing You start picking them apart. And, and I'll tell you this. I've watched marriages completely fall apart. I've watched churches fall apart. You say, why? Critical spirit. You know, someone goes and they're, oh, look, I, we, this is a church. We have, this is a volunteer army. There's a lot of things being done around here. Someone comes in and they're running late to get in the nursery. Well, it's about time you showed up. You have no idea what they face to get here. You know what's real easy to do? Ah, oh, there they go again. Hey, how about this? Thank God they're here. You know, it's very easy to be critical of others. And when you start noticing that, you know what the real, the issue is not everybody else. The issue is something in here. Look at Luke. All, all the way through the life of Jesus Christ, they're trying to find fault in Jesus. Look at Luke chapter number 23. I think this is, to me, hilarious. You know, I think the Pharisees do really well. They project. Whatever their issue is, they put it on the Lord. You know what you do as human beings sometimes? When you allow a pharisaical spirit to drive you, you start putting stuff, how come that person didn't call me? I texted them, it's been a, you know, okay, so maybe what it is, is you've been talking bad about them, now they're not responding, and you're thinking they know something, or maybe they're against me, I knew they were against me, this whole time I knew they were against me, I did you, never should even try to be their friend, and the Lord's like, what, slow down, where's all that coming from? Look at Luke 23, look at me if you would at verse 4, then said Pilate to the chief priest and the people, I find no fault in this man, there's an honest man. I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, he stirreth up the people. He stirreth up the people? Dude, you guys are the ones rousing people up, saying, crucify him, crucify That's stirring up the people. And you're putting it on the Lord. You see, what is that? That's a fair seagull spirit. Can I just warn you, when you find yourself getting overly critical of people around you in your life, can you pump the brakes and say, Lord, it's not them it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Remember that kid's song? We need to sing that a little bit more often as adults. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, not my preacher, not my deacon, not my brother, not my neighbor, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in. Yeah, you know why? Because it's really easy to go, what them, and they're doing this wrong, and they're doing that wrong. And you know, you know what the Lord's saying? Hey, when you live that way, the, the problem is, you're looking for a problem. When you find a problem with Jesus Christ, you're looking for a problem. Can I ask you a question? Do you find it easier to criticize? Or to edify? Do you realize God gave you a mouth so you could edify others? You know the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. I... I 
Jameis. Jameis, come here, buddy. Okay? Come here. Okay, you stay down there, and I'll be right here. Okay? Now, Jameis, grab my hand and, and pull real hard. Okay? Now, I'm going to brace myself. I'm going to tell you right now, if I wasn't bracing, he could not, he could pull me down. Uh, you boy, you weigh what, 60, 70 pounds, something like that? A lot less than me. How about that? <laughs> 65, some like four of you or something like that, okay? All right, so, so you know what? It takes him very little effort to pull me down. He could do it. You know what's a lot harder? Being up here, grabbing someone, pulling them up. You know what you're going to find in the Christian life? It's a whole lot easier to rip someone down. A whole lot easier. Now, look, if you just got saved, you, know, you think everyone here are angels. They're not. Okay, we all have flaws and we all have issues. Thank you, Jameis. I appreciate it. You know what you're going to find out, though? After a while, people are human and they have flaws and they have issues. And you know what? Your favorite preacher on YouTube, he's got issues, too. All right? Uh, the, the truth is this. The more you get to know people, the more you realize they're, they're human. But if you're not careful and you allow a fair equal spirit to drive you, you're going to find out, I'm just tearing everything and everyone apart. How come they did class that way? How come they're the volunteer? How come they have that person saying? How come just stop it? Stop that. You know, how, how come how come my husband did this? How come my wife did it? Maybe pray for them. I don't know. But let's start with like not being overly critical. You know, I can say with the Pharisees, they know what everyone does wrong, but I don't ever find them saying, here's where we're wrong. You know what's real easy to do? Man, I can tell you right now. I'll tell you all of James's problems, man. That's easy. I just, that's, yeah. See why? Because he's not the image I look back at, at in the mirror. When I look in the mirror, you know what I do? Yeah, but. Come on. Don't get quiet on me now. Don't you look in the mirror and go, you know, I know I shouldn't have done that, but. But when it's someone else is like, cut off their head. Yeah. You say, what is that? Well, it's not the right kind of spirit. You know the spirit of God? The spirit of God is slow and gentle. It, it's the devil that knows that he has but a little time. He's always driving things and trying to forcing things, and we've got to deal with this now. You know what I've learned? Uh, years ago, I'm going to tell myself, there was uh, a young couple in our church. This is like right at the beginning of our church. And I had this guy doing a job that he probably wasn't ready to do. This is years ago. You don't know them. Don't go trying to find people on Facebook. You don't know who they are. It's been a long time, all right? And I had this person in a role they probably weren't ready to be in, and they messed up. You know what I did? I ripped them a new one. I've said sorry, but it still bothers me. You know why? I want to show them. No, you just, sometimes you don't need to do that. Sometimes you just sit back and go, you know, I learned as a pastor, I've had people say, Pastor, I love you. I'll never leave this church. And then a month later, they'll, they'll rip me a new one. You, you know, I've learned to say, well, Lord, can you help them? Can you help them? I can't. I did the best I could. Lord, can you do something for them? You say, you say, what is that? I don't know. Just learn some things after years of doing this. Realizing sometimes when people come to church and they kind of give, I've had this happen. How you doing, brother? Fine. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's a real tendency to take that personal. You shouldn't take that personal. You should just say, Lord, thank you they're here. Would you help them today? You know, a Pharisee spirit is it's, it's critical. 
When you can find fault with Jesus Christ, man, you, you're looking for problems. Look at Second uh, Samuel 15. And as you turn there, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. You know what a stoop is? It's like this. When you kind of, someone's just kind of like bent over, just kind of going like, I'm just trying to catch my breath, and I've got a heaviness. And sometimes people come to church that way. And the whole goal is to say, you might be heavy right now, but by the grace of God, when you leave, I pray that you can stand upright and go, man, thank God it's good to be saved, right? You know a good word can do that? You know what a bad word can do? Someone that's stooping can fall all the way down. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. See what's going on here. Well, there's this man named Absalom. And what Absalom does is Absalom is critical of the king. And I want you to see why. Look at 2 Samuel 15. Look at verse 1. It came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called on him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. Uh, and Absalom said to him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, 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 that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or, or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Do you see why he's critical of the king? You may go, well, he's doing it really smooth. Oh, he's a smooth operator for sure. But you know why he's critical? And he goes, oh, too bad the king doesn't have anyone here to help you. You know why he's critical? He's critical of someone else so he can put himself in a place where he feels good. Do you know why you criticize people? So he can feel better about you. And can I say this? You don't need that. You know what you need? To remember who you are in Jesus Christ. You don't need to criticize other people. When you find yourself kind of nagging and just kind of picking apart, you know what that really is? There's something inside of you that goes, yeah, but when I, when I do that, I kind of look better. I kind of, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something right now. I had a chance this last week, and the Lord just said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't. And this is one of those rare moments where I can thank God that I didn't do it. Anybody ever been there before? Thank you, Lord, I didn't do it, right? And, Lord, and someone brings someone up, and uh, they're talking about someone, and it's like something goes off in your mind and goes, I know something about that person. And the Lord just says, don't do it. And then the conversation comes back, and it's like, and the Lord says, don't do it. You know why? Because you know what that is? They did this, but I did this. You know what that is? It's not the right spirit. It's a pharisaical spirit. It's you criticizing someone for the purpose of exalting yourself. You know, you know what Pharisees are, are good at? They're good at being critical. Let me say this. They're also good at being envious. A Pharisee eagle spirit is not just critical. I say this as well. It's an envious spirit. It's the spirit of envy. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, oh, uh, Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter 27. Can I say this about the last point? Sometimes you have a choice between doing the right thing and being proven right. You ever had that opportunity where you want to you prove you're, you're right, but by proving you're right, you're no longer doing the right thing? Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. It's like, well, I gotta, I'm going to show them. And the Lord's like, well, you don't need to. Yeah, but I want to. I'm going to be right. Okay, you just chose to move yourself out from underneath God's protection. Because I'm going to be right. 
That's not the most important thing. Uh, look at Matthew 27. Let me say this. A fair eagle spirit is an envious spirit. You say, what is that? How come I don't have that? Uh, look at Matthew 27. And, and notice what happens here when we're talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, look at verse number 17. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom will you that I release in you? Barabbas. By the way, P.S., Barabbas is a murderer, a thief, and someone that tried to overthrow the government. Would you, would you say maybe he's a little worse than Jesus? Anybody willing to go out on a limb and say that's a, a worse person than Jesus Christ who never sinned? Uh, notice the choice here. Release Barabbas or a man that never sinned. Uh, look what it says here in uh, verse number 18. For he knew that for what? For envy they delivered him. You better be real careful with envy. Let me tell you why. Uh, it'll lead you to do stuff that you wouldn't think you would do. Cain and Abel, ring a bell. How about Joseph's brothers? <laughs> the Bible says they envied him. And, and look, let, let's, just, let's just be honest. If you've got a supernatural gift and God get, Brother Sean, if God gives you a dream where everyone in the church bows down to you, we don't want to hear about it, okay? <laughs> All right, so not that that's ever going to happen, but, but you understand, like, Joseph's like, guys, 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 good morning, guys. So good to see you. Like, oh, what does this guy want? Let me tell you something. I had this dream, and you guys all bowed down to me. Like, that, that's not a good idea, right? Well, well, anyways, you understand, his brother's problem was they were envious of him. And even if Joseph never said a word, the way they responded, you can could, you could look and go, well, maybe he should, he should have told them the dream. Okay, but do you think it's really a like response to go, we don't like the dream you told us, let's throw him a pit and sell him into slavery? I don't think that's really fair. I think it's a little bit like overcompensating, if you will. Well, you say, what is that? That's what happens when you get filled with envy. You don't realize the end of the situation. Now you go, well, God used it for good. I, I know all that, but it doesn't make right what the brothers did. You understand that, right? Wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? You know what a pharisaical spirit is? It's one that is willing to do anything to remove someone else from having pleasure because you can't have it. You know what the Pharisees couldn't stand about the Lord? That he enjoyed his life doing what the Father commanded him to do. Can I, can I ask you a question? Can you... Rejoice with them that rejoice. And can you weep with them that weep? You know, I know I've mentioned this before. Someone gets a job, they get a pay raise, they get a new car, they get a new whatever. Can you be happy for them? Someone, I, I, we live in a social media day and age. Someone goes on vacation. Oh, they're going on vacation again, huh? It's only been like three months since the last vacation they took. I don't see why they have to keep going on vacation. Well... Why is that your business? And why can't you go praise the Lord? You know? I mean, uh, uh, Florence was seeing the mafia over there in Sicily, I'm pretty sure of it. And I'm, I'm okay with it as long as you came back with some money, all right? Put the money in the building fund, we'll be all right. But, but you know what you ought to be able to do when someone goes to Europe? Praise the Lord someone got to go to Europe. When these kids come back from Africa, thank God they got to go. I, I wish I could go. Well, maybe but pray for that, but that shouldn't be your first response, you understand? Like being able to rejoice with someone, good things happening to another believer, you should say thank God for that. Don't you ever look out in the world and go, how come all the lost people have all the good stuff? Listen, first off, they don't, you don't see what goes on behind those closed doors. 
Uh, I know some of you would be real afraid to go knock on doors in Cherry Creek because you think they've got money and they'll never listen, all that kind of stuff. And you might partially be right in your own mind, but I'll say this right now. Some of those people are miserable, filled with addiction and strife in their home. There's no joy. There's no peace. You shouldn't, you shouldn't want to trade places with those people. But you know, what, you know what the wrong spirit will lead you to think? I'm missing out. You're not missing out. Your father gives you what you need. You know what the Pharisees thought? We need to be in that position. And when you start looking at people that way, you're in trouble. You say, what's a Pharisee equal spirit? It's a critical spirit. It's an envious spirit. You know what? We live in a day and age where, man, like, honestly, I, sometimes I can't believe, like, I feel like we live in, uh, all right, I know I'm dating myself. Who knows who the Jetsons are? Anybody ever feel like we're living in the Jetsons? Right? You know, like you talk to screens all day, and you hit buttons, and stuff like shows up at your house. Just all that stuff is weird, right? And, and, and so, but you're, you're getting accustomed to the idea of whatever it is you want, look it up, and you know what? You'll start going, I need that, I need that, I need that. And eventually, envy turns into covetousness, and the Bible says, to mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, one of them being covetousness, which is, as the Bible says in Colossians, idolatry. Say, what does it say that? Because you become the idol. I deserve it. Let me tell you something right now. You know what we deserve? Hell and judgment. And we're not getting it. Thank God we don't get what we deserve. You say, what is that? The mercy and the grace of God. When you find yourself, I deserve some of that. You you better watch out. You say, what is that? It's the wrong spirit. It's not the spirit of God. You know where you ought to be? In a place of gratitude. You don't know about a Pharisee eagle spirit? It doesn't value the work of God. You, you know, I've learned about Christians um, that aren't walking with the Lord and they're not in their Bibles. I know this. This is, I've watched it. I watch it sometimes weekly. Someone that's in their Bible every day, you know what they are during church? On the edge of their seat. Someone that's not. They'll get coffee for the 47th time and go to the bathroom for the 20th time. <laughs> So I just got to get, I just got to endure. He that shall endure the end, the same shall be saved. <laughs> they can't even enjoy church. You know why? You don't have the right value system. You know, the Pharisees can never, they never got on God's value system. So, so, so you, you look at the story of the, of the, the parable of the talents and the one man, you know, he gets uh, 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 two more talents, one guy gets five more talents and, and then there's that one that took his talent and hid it in the earth and you say, what's the issue there? He had the wrong value system. Uh, look if you would with me at uh, Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine. You know I've learned about fair seagull spirit? It takes the stuff that matters to God and makes it small. Someone comes to church that's been struggling, you're like, ah, so what? They came to church. That's a big deal. And then someone cuts in line downstairs for donuts. You're like, do you see what you just did? <laughs> that, that's my spot. It's like, you know what your problem is? You don't have the right value system. You make it about you instead of about the Lord and others. Look at Matthew chapter number nine. Look at verse number 32. I want you to place yourself, as Brother Gibson said, place yourself in the story. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb Man, ladies, that is not a reference to your husband, all right? We don't mean dumb as in not intelligent means he cannot speak, right? He's a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, he cast not devils, he's the prince of the devils. 
you know what the problem is? Well, yeah, you guys are all excited about all this stuff, but it's not that big of a deal. Man, when someone gets saved, I'm sorry. There are times as a pastor where I want to, is this okay to see on a Wednesday night? You're like, I hope so. We're about to find out. Here we go. There are times I want to choke some Christians. Like, hey, someone got saved. Like, oh, cool. (laughs) Let me lay hands on you, brother. You get a raise at work. Your, Your stupid football team wins the game. You guys, you see that guy? You see how he caught that ball? You see, no one's remembering a year. Doesn't matter. Someone got saved. You ought to be excited about that. And if you're not, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying your value system is off. You say, what is it? The wrong spirit's leading you. I didn't say you weren't saved. I'm saying you're not seeing things like God does. You're looking at things through your own eyes, and you're going, big deal, not a big deal. Big deal, instead of going, God, what matters to you? (laughs) Because, Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be filled by your spirit. And, man, when someone's getting saved, when someone gets right with God, when a a young person comes to the altar and they're they're flooding the, the altar with their tears, man, thank God for that. Wasn't church great? Wasn't it good to open the Bible? Isn't it good to have a church? Isn't it good to have kids in Sunday school? Isn't it good to have DBC? God, thank you for what you got. Yeah, but our building isn't. Thank God. Instead of constantly trivializing what God has done. You know, I've learned a long time ago. Man, I tell you what. I am thankful. Yeah, yeah. There are, there's opportunity to complain and to trivialize all you want. But I'm going to tell you right now. I am thankful for a track rack. I'm thankful for an empty track rack. I'm thankful that we just spent, Brother Sean knows this, thousands upon thousands of dollars this summer on tracks because you keep putting them out. Thank God. That's not small to me. That's big. You say, why? Because it's big to God. But the Pharisees, but the Pharisees, but the Pharisees. I heard a story about an alcoholic who, he got saved. And, uh, you know, one of his buddies was like, yeah, you believe all that nonsense in the Bible about miracles? He said, yeah. And you don't believe all about Jesus turning, you know, the water into wine, do you? He goes, I got something better than that. Jesus took the whiskey and turned it into furniture and paid bills in my home. You know what that is? That's a man that thanks God for what God has done in his life. That is a man that does not trivialize the work of God. Let me tell you, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be some area of improvement, some, some, some area where we fall short, some area where our, the, you know, the church could be better, this could be better. But man, everyone's going to just stop and say, God, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You know what, gentlemen, ladies, you might be tempted to complain about your spouse. And uh, your spouse isn't perfect, like you're not perfect. But I'll tell you what, I know some people right now, that if they could have one more moment with their spouse, they wouldn't complain about the, the toothpaste. So you're not, some of you aren't married yet. You're going to get there. So let me help you out. Normally, I'm looking here. You guys are really not there yet. Like 30 years from now, okay? All right? But, but the, anybody know what I'm talking about? The toothpaste thing? There's two kinds of people. There's one that just leaves it like the toothpaste is like spilling out of it. I mean, my wife's a very clean woman. She really is. She keeps everything very tidy. I don't understand it, though, because when it comes to the toothpaste, it's like... Pfft. 
I'm like, you make no sense to me. In every area of your life, you've got organization and calendars and times and schedules and everything has a place, but the poor toothpaste. And I go to the sink and I'm like, what? It looks like someone died. It was murdered by toothpaste, right? Just... And the Lord's like, you better be thankful. I can tell you this. I recently talked to a preacher who lost his wife. Couldn't look at me without just, as soon as he mentioned his deceased wife's name, just waterworks, just like that. Say, how long ago was this? Last year? Mm, Try 20 years ago. Are you married? Thank God for your spouse. Hey, let me tell you something. (laughs) I know it is a miracle that I've been married for 23 years. I know that. I know that. You know what you better learn to do? Thank God for the little miracles. And value the work of God. Because I can tell you this about Pharisees, they don't. They trivialize. You know what they do? They make small the things that God says are big, and they make big the things that God goes, that doesn't matter at all. You know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you to do some inventory tonight. Look, if you would, at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Can I say this? A Pharisee eagle spirit never has the right goal. You know what Pharisee eagle spirit is all about? Making people like myself. That's not our goal here at New Heights Baptist Church. That's not the goal in ministry. It should be the goal in your life. You should not want people... Look, let me just say right now. If this whole room was just like you, we'd all kill each other. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Like you, Why can't they be... Oh, you mean why can't they be more like me? You really want everyone to be like you? You don't want that. You know, the old joke is, man, if you get all, all the Baptist, independent Baptist preachers in one room for an hour, there'd be blood rolling out the bottom of the door. Like, like, we don't need everyone to be just like us. You know what you need? You need to be who God wants you to be and let someone else be who God wants them to be. The goal is not to make people like us. The goal is to make people like Jesus Christ. But the Pharisee spirit is the wrong kind of spirit. You know what it's going to do? It's always going to push the agenda of let's make people like us. Uh, look, if you would, at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. You know why I say that? Because when people come to church, they come burdened oftentimes. And, and, and you know, sometimes your spouse will come home burdened, your kid will come home burdened, your dad or mom will come home burdened. And you know what's really easy to do? Just put on one more burden. You say, why? Because this is what I'm supposed to get out of this. You know, what, you know what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian? Jesus says to this, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Does he say, come to me, and let me just go, oh, there's more. Oh, there, but wait, there's more. Let me just keep piling it on. Or does he say, you know what, we'll, we'll get to that time where you can carry a burden. Right now, you just need some rest. Aren't you thankful for a God like that? Amen. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 44. Won't you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to title this, you know, the, some of the sermons that Jesus preached. Um, other sermons not to preach if you want to grow your church. I mean, honestly, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. Can you imagine insulting someone and saying, you're not, you're not just a grave, you're a grave that nobody even notices. Uh, if you'd like to come back next Sunday, we have services at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, the Lord preached some, read it, he preached some hard messages. Verse 45, then answer one of the lawyers. Oh, watch out for the lawyers, man. They always got answers, don't they? 
We then answered one of the lawyers and said to him, Master, thus saying, thou reproaches. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's funny. It's kind of like, you idiot. Yes, you're right. This guy's like, you're saying that to insult us. <laughs> and the Lord's like, thank you. <laughs> you know, like, you ever read the Bible? It's just like, this is hilarious. It's almost like they're like, like he's insulting. And they're like, wait a minute. Notice what happens here. It, it's, it's interesting. Look, if you would, at verse number 46. Won't you also, you lawyers, for you laid men with burdens grievous to be borne. Watch it. And ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. You know what the Bible says? It says to bear ye one another's burdens. Can, can, I, can I show you something? Look at Acts chapter number 11. Look at Acts chapter number 11. There's such a contrast between the spirit of Phariseeism and the spirit of God. You can't miss it. You know what they did? I, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, years ago, I think they meant well, but someone said, Pastor, are, are you going to address how that person is dressed? I said, nope. Well, I think you should. Okay. Now look, if someone's in leadership in the church, different story. You're ministering to people, different story. I'm not going to walk through the congregation when by the grace of God, there were 50,000 stinking things that stood in the way of someone coming to church and go, I don't like the way you're dressed. You're smoking crack if you think I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You know what that is? That's someone that has an issue and an agenda. I want people to look. You're making me look bad. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. (laughs) Someone makes it to church and you're going to make that a big issue? Thank God they made it. You know what that is? Let me put one more burden on you than you already got. Look, man, when someone comes here, whether they're saved or lost, look, if they're lost, their issue is not what they're wearing. First off, you think this makes you spiritual? It doesn't. Man, I've seen people come to church with this on, and they're just cantankerous and nasty and bitter. Yeah. All right? So this isn't it. All right? And, and I'm not saying that you throw standards out the window. I'm just saying simply this, that, that's not the, that this is not the burden that needs to be addressed. Amen. Someone comes in, and they're dealing with all kinds of issues in their life. I'm not going to walk up and go, let me put one more thing on you. Yeah. See, what is that? It's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong spirit. You know what, it, it, it's, it's seeing someone struggle. I, I, I love this. You ever had this happen to you before? Someone comes to your house, you have fellowship, and then it's cleanup time. Then you're cleaning, you clean everything, and they're sitting there talking for two hours, you clean everything. Oh, do you need help? I did two hours ago. <laughs> now you're going, wait, did I ever go to pastor's house and that happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did, all of you. No, I'm kidding. All right, you, you, you understand, though? You understand? Like, basically, there's a need. And you're not willing to help. You know what the Pharisees are really good at? They weren't just not willing to help. They were lo- looking to add a burden. Can I say, that's not where we're supposed to be as believers. Amen. You know what you got to be doing? Looking at the lives of people around you going, hey, how can I help you? How can I, how can I lift that burden? You don't have to tell me everything. I don't need to be your Holy Spirit. I don't need to be God. I'm not the, I'm not the high priest. I'll, you know, you, you can pray to the Lord about all those issues, but how can I help you? You know what you'll find? A church that's live, that's alive and growing and thriving is a church where the people in the church are looking out for each other doing that. 
not saying, how can I? Look, can I, can I give you one more thing? If you are a mature believer and you've been in Bible doctrine for a long time and you know how to divide your Bible and you know the seven sevens and the seven baptisms and the seven mysteries and the, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm missing another seven somewhere, whatever, you know all the stuff and someone just comes to church, do not give them 30 sermons on YouTube to listen to. They're not ready for that. They're not there yet. They might get there, but you got to give them a break. You may not realize, you know what some people do? They'll choke on it. Let me ask you a question, all right? How many have been saved for longer than 10 years? Raise your hand, all right? Keep them up, keep them up, ten, keep them up, 10 years, all right? 20, keep them up. 30? 30 plus, okay. All right, keep, keep them up for, for a moment, just for a moment. This is your calisthenic workout, okay? Just, <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you stay in shape. All right, you're, this is the lats right here. You're doing the lats, right? Is that, the, is that it? I'm looking at the workout people over here. Come on, is this lats, right? Okay, forget it. Never again. I'll try. I'm going to try. All right, keep them up. So if someone came to you 30 plus years ago and said, open your mouth, let me shove every doctrine I know down your throat right now, could you handle it? No. Thank you for raising your hand. Okay. Don't do that to people. Well, I want them to know. You want them to be like you. They don't need to be like you. They don't even need to like everything you, you like. You know, they, need, they need to fall in love with that book in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and maybe even it's, if it's well-intentioned, you just have to be careful with that because if you're not careful, what you do is put a burden on somebody before they're ready to hold it. Look, look, there are things around our house that now that Bella is gone, we're putting a little bit more on the, on the boys. But I can tell you right now, I can't put everything on them. I mean, it's, uh, if I told Preston, I want you to take this and I want you to move it there, he may never have a chance and you know where to doing it, but he's going to try. And I'll watch him from the house. And he can give it his best shot, but there's some things he can't do that Bella could. That's not his fault. It's a matter of development. So you know what I can't do as a dad? I cannot burden him with something that he's not ready to carry yet. You know what my job is? My job is not going, why can't you be like Bella? You know what the answer is? I'm not 20 years old. When he's 20, he'll run laps around what Bella could do. Right? Sorry, ladies, it's a biological thing. It doesn't mean you're less important. Right? Just don't get the stink eye. You know, we're equal. Okay, fine. We're equal. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out in the parking lot tonight. We're going to have a brawl. Men against women. <laughs> Stupid stuff people are saying in the world today. We're not equal. I can't push a baby out of me. I can't do that. We're not equal. We're not the same. You're better at some things. We're better at some things. Let's leave it there. Amen? Amen. You know what the illustration is, though? He can't handle certain things yet. If I yell at him, why can't you handle it? He's not there yet. You know what a Pharisee does? You need to be like us. But it, that's not the goal. The goal is not to make him like us. The goal is to make him like Jesus Christ. Amen. A pharisaical spirit adds burdens it doesn't lighten them can i say this a pharisee equal spirit is intolerant listen to me carefully as we close tonight is intolerant of personal biblical preaching now i'm not no one has ever come to me and actually said this okay so i'm not saying this to to nail anyone but at some point in your life you know you might be feel tempted to say how come you're preaching that Why'd you mention that? 
Just know this. I don't know what's going on in your life. He does. And if your father's a good father, he's going to feed you what you need. Look at uh, Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. I told you to go to Acts 11 earlier. I'm so sorry we skipped right by it. I'll, I'll give you the preview. <laughs> Barnabas goes there, and the Bible says he saw the grace of God. And the Bible says he exhorted them all to continue. You, you know what Barnabas is really good at? Taking burdens off people and getting them to move forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Very different than a pharisaical spirit. Look at Matthew 21. Look at verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures? Already, if you're not wanting to hear from the Lord and, and the Lord gets up and says, How come you don't know this? It's already offensive. Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, it's marvelous in our eyes. And then he lets them have it. Look what happens in verse 46. How they respond. Let's get them. Now, you may or may not remember. I'm going to help you out. We'll go to the passage. But David, one day, he's by himself. He should be at war. It's at nighttime. He sees a woman, and he sees her naked. And then he calls for her. You guys know the rest of the story. Doesn't end well. Can we leave it there? Is that fair enough for PG audience? All right. The next chapter of his life, there's a man that comes. And that man says, uh, hey, David, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a man that had some sheep. And this man had some sheep and uh, a lot of sheep. But he stole one sheep from another man. And David gets mad, as you know the story. Then Nathan takes his finger when David goes, that man deserves to die. And he ought to restore that sheep fourfold, four sheep for a sheep. And without missing a beat, Nathan goes, Thou art the man. That's an intense moment in your Bible. Because, I mean, it's not like he's preaching to 100 people. Let's be honest. When a preacher gets up, it's kind of like, ah, wherever it goes, it goes. When you're preaching to an audience of one, it's pretty specific. We started our church in our home, and when I was preaching a message, it's like, you need to honor your husband more. I'm just preaching what God laid on my heart. It's not, it's Lacey, it's not you. It's just what God led me to, you know, it's just, it's for the sake of the church, honey. It's for the sake of the church. Well, I am the church. Oh, sorry, honey. I did. <laughs> when it's one person, thou art the man. That's kind of, you know what the Lord does in your life sometimes, though? You'll be reading your Bible. You'll be sitting in church. You might be listening to a message online. The Lord just goes, right there, that's you. There's a couple ways you can respond to that. Well, you don't know. You don't know the burdens I've been under, Lord. Well, you haven't dealt you, you know what they're like? You could do that, or you could just say, got me. You know what made David so great? I mean, David messed up. He messed up really big, really big. But David doesn't go, oh, you know, the pressure of being a king, it's so hard, and I've got all these burdens, and I, I just, you know, I'm, middle, I'm, I'm, middle, you know, I'm going through a midlife crisis, and I'm trying to find myself, and, you know, and, and it wasn't my fault she was up there. I mean, who, tells, who does that in the middle of the night? Like, is that really my fault? That I said, he didn't do that. You know what happened when David gets nailed? 
He goes, God's righteous and I'm not. Can I say this? The more you're filled with the Spirit of God, the more you will desire for the Lord to show you where you're not right. And you'll be less offended, listen to me, with the messenger and more interested in the message. I want to end this on a, on, a, on, a, on a positive note, though, because for me to tell you everything that's wrong with the Pharisaical spirit, I don't think it would be the, the right thing without giving you some hope. Let's be honest, though. We all struggle with being critical. We struggle with it. The things I mentioned tonight about a Pharisaical spirit, these are things that, look, after the drinking's gone, after the smoking's gone, and by the way, praise God, three years sober, without AA, just Bible. Right? right? Thank God for that. What a blessing. But man, once that's gone, and once the, the smoke and the, all the drinking and all the stuff that you used to do that was really out there that everybody could see, once all that's gone, you know what you still have to deal with? You have to deal with, well, you know, they're a good brother, but critical. You have to deal with, well, why don't you just be more like me? comparison you have to deal with hearing what you don't like and then wanting to lash out instead of saying maybe i need that i'm going to tell you right now i'm gonna throw this out there we're going to wrap this up go to john 3 as you turn to john 3 i've learned this as a preacher there are two things and not just these two things but but definitely these two things that when i preach or teach on them it's like, preacher, you better stay in your own field. Get back on your property. Because when, when Mr. Smith and Mr. Wesson want to meet you and take you and introduce you to Jesus, it'll be your fault, right? When I talk about money and I talk about your kids, there's a resistance there that is unlike anything else. Parents, understand this. If I ever preach something that you don't want to hear about your kids, know this. It's not about your kid. There's a whole church filled with people here. So when you get offended, go, why do you have to say that? Because there's a whole church filled with people here. And they all need to hear it. And if you get offended, you need to ask yourself, why am I getting offended about that? Well, I just don't agree. I mean, I don't think it's necessary that, that you make a kid sit still. That's like torture. Look, man, we live in a society where kids are like all over. Can we agree on that? Like, we need more structure, not less, with, for our kids' sake. So, like, like, when a preacher gets up and says something that you don't like, and maybe it's hard, maybe it's an area where your kid struggles, instead of getting mad at the preacher, go, Lord, how can I put that to work in my life? Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And can I, can I show you something here? Look at uh, verse 1. There was a man of the what? What's his name? Would you say good guy or bad guy? How do I respond? <laughs> if you're not familiar with your Bible, you're like, uh, Pharisees are bad so far, so I'm going with that, right? But, but here's what you need to understand. Even a Pharisee has hope. You may go, I, I've been led by the wrong things in my life. That doesn't mean you need to keep being led by the wrong things. Notice that this Pharisee comes to the Lord, and, and I want you to look at, look at verse 3. Look, look at verse number 4. Look at verse number 5. Some of the best conversation in your Bible on the subject of the new birth 
is revealed to us because a Pharisee came to Jesus Christ. So, well, preacher, if I'm dealing with any of these areas in my life and maybe I'm critical or maybe I'm trying to make people like me or maybe I'm trying to control things or maybe I, whatever, the, fill in the blank with all the issues the Pharisees had. If that's what you're dealing with, here's what I'm going to tell you right now. Number one, come to Jesus. Yeah. Number two, air it out with the Lord. Tell him what is going on right here and right here. That's what Nicodemus does. Look at John chapter number 19. John chapter 19. Preacher, I thought you said we were done. We are. We are. John 19. John 19, look if you would, at verse 38. And after this, you say, what's going on? Uh, Jesus just died. They're, uh, they're taking him after he's been pierced. Look at verse 37. They're going to bury him. Verse 38, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus... But secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He can't, you know what's amazing about that? Sometimes you're so afraid, and if you're willing to stand up, the Lord might just give you exactly what you need. And the Lord does that for Joseph of Arimathea. Look at, verse, uh, at the end of the verse. He came there for him, took the body of Jesus. Look at verse 39. There came also who? Which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they, Nicodemus and Joseph, the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. You know they did? They lay him in a new sepulcher. The men that had, listen to me carefully, one of the men that had the honor of giving a proper burial to the sinless Son of God was a Pharisee. You know what that shows? And oh, 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 hey, where's Peter? Where's John? They ain't there, buddy. The big boys, the big names, the big three, Peter, James, and John. I mean, we're the tight, we're, we're the three amigos. Like, we're like, you know, like practically like Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, missing one of them, right? We're three. We're, we're the ones. They're not there. You know who is? Nicodemus. You know what that shows me? That if you're willing to come to the Lord, even if you've been led by the wrong things, you can wind up in the right place. Father, we thank you so much for the time you've given us in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your Word. And God, I pray you'd help us as we're battling different spiritual entities and, Lord, spiritual wickedness in high places. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, not to, not to be in a rush to go look for battles out there when we're not taking care of the battles internally. God, I, I do pray. There be some examination in our hearts tonight, Lord, starting right here, Lord, and looking at what a fair seagull spirit is all about. And Lord, we don't want it. We don't want it in our lives. We don't want it in our hearts. We don't want it in our minds. God, when we start thinking that way, when we become overly critical, when we strive to control people, we strive to make them like us instead of pointing them to you. Lord, when we become intolerant, of real Bible preaching. God, would you help us to just take a step back and I believe this, Lord, like the seven sons of Sceva, they went out trying to do some great thing and they got the wrong spirits attached to them. I think there was a lack of preparation. Lord, help us to be prepared to face the battles out there. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm asking you to stand for just a moment. The Lord spoke to you. You're welcome to come to the altar. You don't have to. You can pray right where you're at, but 
I'm going to encourage you tonight. Take advantage of the altar if the Lord sees fit to have you come, come. I can tell you this. We need more Barnabases. We don't need more scribes and Pharisees. And if you're honest, if you're honest with yourself and the Lord tonight, at some point in your Christian life, you are going to struggle with this kind of spirit in your life. And the best thing you can do is come to Jesus, air it out, and let him speak to you the words you need to hear. God was not done with Nicodemus in chapter 3. He was not done with Nicodemus in chapter 7. Nicodemus has a special place in the narrative of the gospel. Think about this. One of the tenets of the gospel is that not just that Christ died, but after that he was buried. The Lord invites Nicodemus to be a part of that. I don't know. I'll say it like this. I I wonder. (laughs) I wonder... I wonder what we're missing out on because it's not the right spirit. We can get it later. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all right. Christian, it's, it's easy to, to let that kind of spirit affect your mind. But your spirit can be refreshed. Bible says, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I I understand. I understand. I understand David prays that in the Old Testament. I understand he also says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I get that doctrinally. But practically as a believer, you know what you ought to say every once in a while, Lord, I want a clean heart. I want a renewed spirit. I want to quit being nitpicky. I want to be more grateful. I want to be less critical. I want to be more complimentary. I want to be less burdensome. I want to be more of a burden lifter. You know, when Paul talks about who he was, over in Philippians, he says this, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and the Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. You know what he's saying? This is who I was. I can't change who I was. But it's who I was. It's not who I choose to be today. Christian, that's, that's a choice you've got. To put off the old man and put on the new man. Don't, don't misunderstand me. There's a place for righteous judgment. I mean, look at how the Lord dealt with the Pharisees. That's righteous judgment. But oftentimes our, our, our judgments are skewed because of us. That's, that's the issue.
get something from the Word of God tonight? Amen. 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 All right, so here, here's what the temptation is. Why do these kids have to keep knocking this down? <laughs> Why is it always a Dominguez kid? Uh, thank God we got kids going to the altar, right? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. It's good to have you guys tonight. Uh, be safe going home. And uh, we do look forward to having you Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We'll be back in the Gospel of John verse by verse. And uh, Sunday's message, if it, if it turns out to be the one that I think it is, it's one that I hope everyone that's here tonight will make it for. Um, it's one that will touch all of us. So I hope you can make it Sunday morning. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, I feel like, oh, are you, gonna, are you still going to be here Sunday? No, this is your last night, right? All right, so it's been a blessing to have the Seronios here with us, uh, a blessing to be able to baptize them and uh, see them take that step here. I mean, to me, it's pretty wild. I went on a mission trip to South Africa, and uh, which our church helped pay for me to go and accompany Ariana. And uh, I don't know, guys, I think you guys did, did well on that because we got a sound guy that's usually in the booth over there somewhere. And uh, we've got uh, and he's also the one heading up our basketball league. And we've got uh, people that are heading up our college and career group and people that just love the Lord that wouldn't be in our church if it wasn't for that. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's pretty cool that the Lord brought someone here from South Africa for them to get baptized in our church. And that's really, really neat. So uh, let's close in a word of prayer. I, I'm going to ask my dear brother. Uh, all right. Head <laughs> art. Okay. All right, brother. If you would see, some of you don't know. And after the cause, <laughs> sounds like you're about ready to spit, but it's a, it's a sound. It's a, the G. The, the G sounds that way in Africa. So, uh, it's there's a. If you ever heard, anybody here ever heard someone's talking German? There's a little bit of that in German too. But I'm gonna tell you what. No one, no one does it like the Afrikaners do. All right. Uh, it, it's a blessing. It's been a blessing to get to know them, have them here the last couple of weeks. Brother, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer.